Welcome to this episode of Declaration Life. I'm your host, Christabel Braden. Today's episode is all about being your own best health advocate, advocating for yourself, and just speaking up when it's necessary. I have guest Jenna Green with us today. She's incredible. She's just such a sweetheart. You're going to love her. She is living with MS, and she has a lot of great encouragement and insight when it comes to being an advocate, and she'll share her personal story with you today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm really glad you're here. So I'm not giving up. Live a declaration life. Declare your purpose. Declare your place. Declare your work. Living a declaration life is all about living with purpose and truth and intention and telling yourself the right things. So many times we speak the wrong things over ourselves and we're constantly running this narrative in our head, telling ourselves the wrong things, putting ourselves down. And on Declaration Life, I just want to give you some tools to encourage yourself and remind yourself that what you tell yourself matters and to tell yourself the right things throughout your day. So on every episode, there's always a declaration to start. Today's interview is about advocating for yourself when it comes to your health and being your best advocate and speaking up for yourself. So today's declaration is, I will speak up for myself. Have any of you ever been in situations where you know that you should say something, whether you're feeling a certain way or you're getting upset or whatever's going on and you know that you should stand up for yourself in that situation, but instead you just don't say anything. I've been there and I have had to learn how to advocate for myself and to not feel awkward when it comes to saying, you know what? I don't quite agree with that. Or when it comes to my health, saying, hey, I have a brain injury and I'm sorry, I can't do that. Sometimes we feel bad and we feel awkward and we're afraid to speak up when we know that we need to. But we're afraid of what people think or we're afraid of their reactions or we're just fighting our own internal battle of like, uh, I know that I'm really tired and I'm not in any state to do this right now, but I feel like I have to. And of course, there are times when it is appropriate to, you know, not say anything. It, follow the rules of manners, you know, do unto others as they would do unto you. I'm not saying to go around yelling about yourself at all times, but there are situations when it is appropriate to say, you know what? I can't handle that today. I can't do that right now. Or, hey, I need some help and ask for help. Share when it's appropriate with safe people around you. Or if you're in a health situation or in public, if you need help at the airport, for example, from one of the gate agents or something, it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to speak up for yourself. If you're in a doctor's appointment, it's okay to ask the doctor as many questions as you need. That's what they're there for. Don't ever feel like you can't speak up. 
And remember, nobody can make you feel that way. They might not let you get a word in edgewise, but don't allow that to make you feel like you can't speak. You can always speak up. Don't be intimidated if somebody's attitude needs an adjustment, (laughs) putting it nicely, but stay calm, take a deep breath and say, you know what? It's time that I advocate for myself and just be polite and kind. And sometimes you might have to be firm and just go, hey, for example, for me, I have a brain injury. Here's a specific example. I sprained my knee a couple years ago. And when I went to the orthopedist doctor's office, the nurse that took us back, she obviously did not know about brain injury. She was not trained in brain injury. I was there for my knee And this nurse was speaking to me with her back to me, speaking very, very quickly, asking me about my medications and my medical history and stuff. And I could not answer her fast enough. She was getting irritated. She was getting visibly like, okay, this girl's wasting my time. And I had to say, I have a brain injury and that means that I might not answer you as fast. It means that I am wearing a hat because I'm light sensitive And please be patient with me. And that did help her to understand better what I was going through at the time. But had I not said anything, she would have just continued to get more and more and more irritated with me. I probably would have ended up crying. So that's an example that I've had to learn over time how to speak up for myself in those types of situations. So I just want to encourage you today, remind yourself, I will speak up for myself and I can speak up for myself. Say that to yourself and remember this week as you're going throughout your life, whatever situation you're in, to just take a deep breath and when the moment presents itself, share and speak up and stand your ground and stand up for yourself because nobody else really knows what's going on inside of you besides you. You have to be the one to do it. So I hope that encouraged you in some way today. I'm so excited to be here today with Jenna. We actually connected online via social media, and I know she has a great story to share with you all today. So welcome, Jenna. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I joke that all my friends live in my phone now because of social media. (laughs) That's so funny. My mom growing up was always like, don't talk to strangers on the internet, you know, and I'm really dating myself now here. But, you know, don't talk to strangers on the internet. And now it's like what I do for a living is talk to strangers on the internet. (laughs) It's true. It's true. But I'm happy that we're no longer strangers from the internet. Exactly. That's how (laughs) all my friends have been made. That's good. So, Jenna, why don't you share a little bit of your story? I'll let you tell it. All right. Well, I have multiple sclerosis. I was diagnosed four years ago and I was 31 (laughs) to to think about it at the time. Before that, I was relatively healthy. I had been in a car accident and I had some chronic back pain because of that. But um, back pain runs in my family and I was dealing with it and doing physical therapy and bam, my whole life kind of just changed. I mean, in a day where the optic neuritis started, which was my first symptom, and it's kind of like basically one eye was really twitching, but I just thought I was really dizzy for some reason. 
And there's kind of like that before MS and the after MS in my life, which I'm sure you probably feel about similar to that, like before your accident and after your accident. Mm-hmm. It's like very clear definition in my in my memories. But you know, everything everything changes and you don't you don't realize it. MS is a progressive neurological autoimmune disease. So those are a lot of fancy words to say that um, your body essentially gets confused and starts attacking itself. It it attacks the myelin sheath, which is like the nerve coverings that run all over your body. And primarily that shows up in your brain and your spine, but it can affect, affect everything from your brain function, your energy levels, your muscles, your ability to speak and eat and walk. It's a snowflake disease is what they call it because everyone's experience is different. And like you and I could have the same background and the same life story and have completely different MS symptoms and have totally different experiences with the medication therapies as well, which is, it's crazy. They just, they don't know. Yeah. That's, that's really similar to brain injury as well. Like no two brain injuries are the same because the brain is so complicated. And also we've had a couple of people on the podcast talk about Lyme disease as well. And how with these types of chronic illnesses, no two are really the same. Exactly. That's so important. And it is, but it's also the one thing that like unites us, I think. Um, Like all our differences are so clear, like your brain injury and my symptoms are Sometimes they're similar, but they're also, there's no like protocol. Okay, so you broke your wrist. Now you get a cast. Then maybe you do physical therapy. You know, it's not like a straight solution. You have to figure out what works for you and you Mm -hmm. have to, you have to be your own best advocate and work with your doctors and recognize that, you know, you have choices you have to educate yourself um, and you have to find a community of like-minded people, like people who have Lyme and maybe understand chronic fatigue and people who have gone through brain injury and understand the loss of function. And um, it's just, it's simply much easier if you feel like you're not going through it alone. And I think that's why I'm so compelled to share my story because none of it is fun. It's not an enjoyable thing. I wouldn't recommend it. It's not like, oh, five stars. MS is great. But you know, it can happen to anyone just like an injury can happen to anyone. But knowing that you're not alone, I think makes it so much easier. Yeah, that's true. That was a lot of really good information. One of the things you mentioned there was being your own best advocate. Can you share a little bit about what advocacy means to you and tips on how to do that? Absolutely. When I was diagnosed, I wasn't even sure how much I wanted to share. Um, I, I have a background in advertising and social media marketing. So I understood how to use social media as a platform. And I had a lot of friends on my phone, as I say, but I wasn't even sure that I was going to like share my diagnosis right away like publicly. It all seems very personal at first, especially because it is for me like entirely invisible. I have to occasionally I need to use my cane, but you know, for the most part people wouldn't know that I had anything going on. And I think the first time I really decided that I needed to, I realized I need to be my own best advocate that I need to speak up for myself was when I worked with my doctor to decide 
what disease modifying therapy I wanted to start with. And there, there are like more than 20 options now. And these disease modifying therapies, um, they don't cure your MS. There's no cure and there's no way to stop it or fix the, the damage that it's done to you. But these are statistically supposed to slow the, the damage and you're supposed to have fewer brain lesions, fewer relapses, that type of thing. So does that make sense? Yeah, that completely makes sense. Okay. Cause it's, it's, it was complicated at first. I was like, wait, what? So there's all these different therapies, but none of them help your symptoms, but like, hopefully they will make you less sick overall. Like you won't get worse, hopefully. But I spent maybe three hours with my neurologist who's a really good guy and an MS specialist and talked over with my mom and my husband and decided I wanted to go on like statistically the most effective medication for preventing future relapses. That was the one that I wanted to start with and for, for multiple reasons, but besides its effectiveness, but you just don't know what's going to work for you versus what works well for someone else. But when I was scheduled for my first infusion about a month after my diagnosis, the nurse called me that morning and said, hey, do you want to reschedule this? Because your insurance actually said no. And I was like, what What do you mean? And I'm, I have good mm-hmm. insurance. My husband's in a union. And I was like, what do you mean? We have, we have insurance. And they were like, no, they said that you have to have a less effective medication fail on that, which means brain damage and permanent, possibly permanent symptoms, possibly like steroids, possible rehab, like all kinds of unknowns there. And then you can have the more effective medication because of wow. the cost. And I was like, ah, uh, that's not going to work out for me, people. <laughs> Insurance companies are the worst. Right? I was like, no, 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 no. This is, I was like, you, you don't understand me. Yeah, that's tough. That's really, really tough. Yeah, it was, it was a hard hit for me. I was, I, I just went immediately to anger and um, anger isn't really a, a very uh, productive emotion for me, especially when you have MS and you need to reduce your stress overall. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, but I was just like immediately fired up about it. And then that's when I decided, oh, I'm never shutting up about this. And that apparently that's advocacy. So it was that act of the insurance company denying your treatment that prompted you to want to be more vocal? Yes, that's what made me decide I have to talk about this because if I'm going through this, then someone else must be going through it. And I have a privilege and a platform and I have a a family, a great support system. And not everyone has that. And Mm -hmm. I was truly struggling. I mean, it's a huge undertaking to figure out how insurance works and deal with a new diagnosis and all of the, the what ifs, you know, it's, it's, it's really a lot mentally besides what you're going through physically. It would be so great if when you got a diagnosis that they were like, okay, here's what's going to happen. Here's what the insurance companies are probably going to do. Here's what hospital payment plans look like. Like you don't know any of that when you first get injured or when you first get sick. Right. I was completely ignorant to all of how that all worked or, you know, I just, I was 
so perplexed even. I just did not even know what to do. And so I thought, well, I cannot possibly be the only one. And I was really struggling. So I I decided to share. And then so many people reached out to me on social media saying that they they had MS or they knew someone who had MS or they had a chronic illness or they had been through an injury or a similar situation. And it felt so good to them to know that they weren't alone. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is the one thing that if I can do something with this experience is I can help someone else know that they're not alone. Yeah, that's great. You know what? I completely, completely relate to that. That's how I started with Hope After Head Injury and with Advocacy for Brain Injury because I felt so alone. I never wanted anybody else to feel as alone as I did. Exactly. And social media is a great tool for that. So for anyone listening, like, don't feel like you need to post your whole story on the internet, but try and get connected with some other people who've had it. Search the hashtags for whatever your chronic illness is or brain injury on Facebook. Join Facebook groups, Facebook support groups, because just having access to that kind of online community can really, really help you know that you're not alone and help you learn how to be a better advocate for yourself as well. Exactly. Because like you said, there isn't anyone that explains to you what's going to happen. And even the best doctors in the world don't know exactly what's going to happen. And that's the the sad reality. They can tell you that these are the statistics or these are the possibilities, but they don't know. They can't predict the future. And um, it's scary, but you want to be able to reach out to people that understand that on a level that like you and I, where we've been through that experience. And yeah, there's nothing good about the experience except for the community that you can find. I mean, for me, it's been such a bright spot. Like I don't recommend MS, don't get it, you know, but you can't, I mean, I'm joking. Sorry. No, no, I know. You know, like it's, there's nothing, there's nothing great about it, but, um, the community, it's, it's amazing. It helps the hard days be a little bit less hard. Exactly. To know that you're not the only one going through it. Exactly. And even if your experience is different than mine, even if your symptoms are different than mine, you know that there's someone else out there that understands what it's like to be struggling with their health, to get the questions when they're using handicap assistance at the airport because, oh, but you look so good. Mm -hmm. Like, And I will be using handicap assistance at the airport because I cannot walk all those miles and then go to a advocacy function. Like I, I, I need to, I need to get over myself. Number one, (laughs) because really I'm, I'm the harshest critic of me. I would never judge someone else. Yeah. You really have to do a lot of that internal work. Yeah. I will pre-board for flights because it's hard for me to stand for super long periods of time. And it's hard for me to walk in like crowds and close crowds. So like boarding planes used to be such a part of anxiety for me until I learned that I could pre-board. You can pre-board when you have a disability, when they call anyone who needs extra time or assistance. Absolutely. And this goes along with advocacy as well. So I always go up and I talk to the gate agent as soon as I get to the gate and I say, hey, I'm a survivor of brain injury. I was wondering if it's possible to pre-board. They said that. Um, if you have a disability, you could board early and they they always 100% of the time say, yep, that's totally fine. And I found that that extra step of talking to the gate agent ahead of time 
It saves a lot of stress and questions because I've already told them I have an injury to my brain. So the gate agent already knows that. So that when they call for pre-boarding, they'll usually like usher me on. So the other people around that often shoot me judgmental looks because I'm just a girl in my 20s. Like they're like, you know, I can walk, but they don't understand that. And so it helps when the gate agent I've already talked to about it. So they are ushering me on. They're like, come on, sweetie, or whatever, you know, they'll be like, come on. I used to be really afraid of doing that or like I felt like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't. But Mm -hmm. it's changed so much. I've hit my head a couple times on the overhead bins in the plane getting into my seat because they hang so low. And when you have a concussion or a brain injury, like that hurts. And not only does it hurt, it can bring on concussion symptoms. I don't want to risk getting another concussion simply because I wasn't able to pre-board or something. And so what it does is I'll pre-board early. I can take my time walking to the plane and, you know, get on the plane and then I can sit down in my seat and not have to worry about hitting my head on the overhead bin or trying to be too quick. And the flight attendants will put my bag in the overhead bin for me. I can just ask them to help me instead of having to do it myself. Like you said, but people will, people do shoot judgmental looks and they will be judgmental because they don't know the invisible fight on the inside. Exactly. And that's the thing is I wish we could change the entire world. Um, you know, I wish the world was just a kinder place. You know, I mean, I guess I'm my mother's daughter in that way because she's like, I don't understand why anyone would shoot you a rude look. Like you need help. And I'm like, well, mom, they can't tell I need help, you know? And my mom is just the, the kindest woman. Um, and she would never judge anyone, even if they really deserved it. (laughs) And she is just, you know, I wish that it wasn't the case, but sometimes you do. You have to speak up for yourself and you have to advocate for yourself. And, you know, you don't owe anyone an explanation as to like, oh, what's wrong with you? You know, I think that's a bit of a rude question. Yeah. But I am open to sharing about my disease and my experience. And I've had back surgery. Like I can't be getting bumped around in in the lines either. Like that's really painful for me. So you know, I will share that with people who are kind to me, but Mm -hmm. it's these kinds of conversations that we're having, I think are the way that we can like slowly impact maybe just one person to think before they shoot a judgmental look at a young looking girl, youngish. I'm young, not that young, but, um, you know, healthy looking person. Somebody who looks able-bodied. Yeah. Exactly. Because often those who are pre-boarding are, it's usually like a bunch of like elderly people and me. Oh my goodness. It's always elderly people and me. And I always joke. I'm like, oh, I'm like 98 years old, but I look really good for my age, you know, because I like to diffuse every situation with humor, but, um, and people laugh and it's fine, but you know, and like, that's my joke. I'm like, oh, my grandpa's 98. I'm 98, but I look really good for my age. (laughs) So you have to, you know, you have to figure out what works best for you in terms of speaking up and speaking out. And if you're not comfortable with it, I totally understand that not everyone wants to like share their life story. Well, yeah. And you don't have to share it with strangers or you don't have to share it on the internet. But I find that advocacy is, it's not always about sharing your story. It's about, it's about communication in the places that matter. So for example, it's a preventative, like I go and talk to the gate agent ahead of time. So instead of reacting and having them go, wait a minute, why are you pre-boarding when I go and try and pre-board? 
I've already preventatively or um, I don't know if that's the right word, but proactively. You're proactive. That's the word I was thinking of. Proactively spoken to them about it. So instead of them being reactive and going, okay, well, why are you here? And then I say, I have a brain injury. It just eliminates that step because taking the, the time and the step to speak ahead of time and advocate for yourself, it makes everything just kind of go a little bit smoother. Absolutely. And then it gets rid of some of your anxiety, which is important too, because mental health, there's so much stigma about it, but people are struggling and you just never know what someone is going through. And you can't see that on the outside. You don't know what they're they're dealing with. So just, you know, be kind, speak up and be proactive for yourself. You don't have to speak at the state house to be an advocate for yourself. Um, although I did that once and it was really cool. That's awesome. <laughs> it was really cool, but it was through the MS Society and I've had the opportunity to, you know, speak online and some other online forums. There's a great community called WeGo Health. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they have discussions and courses for patient leaders and caregivers and opportunities to help them not only be better advocates, but also to give feedback to healthcare companies and prescription companies and like get paid for their time, which is pretty awesome. That's really cool. I'll have to check that out. It's a really great online community. It's like, this is how I've found a lot of friends. And of course my, in real life, I don't know, I guess internet is real life, but you know, my in-person friends and family have been really supportive as well, which I'm really, really grateful. And I'm super blessed to have such a wonderful support system. But the more people that I think you have that you can reach out to and say, Hey, how do you deal with this? Like, Hey, what do you do when you travel? You know, how do you make it easier on yourself? Like, because you don't want to miss out on your whole life because of something that's entirely out of your control with your health and your chronic illness. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I like what you said about reaching out to somebody like, hey, what do you do in this situation? Because that's part of advocacy too, advocating for yourself. Absolutely. Talking to others and just asking questions and learning and educating yourself And simply by me talking to somebody else who's had a brain injury, you talking to somebody else who's had MS, you kind of are able to understand a little bit deeper into what that looks like. And maybe somebody has walked through it before you have, and they might be able to say, oh, well, when I had to go through that type of therapy, this is kind of what happened and just gives you a lot of a better understanding of maybe what's coming down the What's the phrase? My my brain is super tired right now. Coming down the pike? Is that the phrase? I think that works for me, but hey, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. Coming down the road. Uh, you know, what what's what is, you know, the possibilities? Like what's an MRI like or how do you prepare for an infusion? You know, exactly. I've made like a couple of videos and um, you know, I'm I'm trying to get more into making more videos because I find I struggle with writing blog posts a lot lately. Like I've been I love writing and um, like I'm a social media marketing manager by trade, but I think like writing longer content forms for me has been more of a struggle since my last flare this summer. And that's the thing with MS is that it's, I have what's called relapse remitting MS. And so 
it implies that you have a relapse like I had this summer and then you go into remission where you're better. (laughs) It's not quite that way. Can you explain a little bit more of what that actually is? Absolutely. So you can have a relapse and it's basically defined by any new symptom that happens in your body for more than 48 hours, I think. And it can be accompanied by a new lesion on your brain or spine that they find in an MRI that might be active, but it isn't always. And that's like the more technical info. But basically, you know, if my left leg stops working or one day, well, it was two years ago in December, my right foot just was twitching without me wanting it to, like my toes were moving. And I was like, hey, foot, could you stop that, please? Like, why is my foot doing that, you know? And um, yeah, now actually both feet do it. I have a specific form of muscle spasms that are called dystonia, um, which is another rare disease, but it's caused by my MS. Sometimes it's caused by Parkinson's. But that flare-up, even though I did have a round of steroids, which is the general quote-unquote treatment for a flare-up because it's supposed to calm down the inflammation and suppress your immune system, that flare-up didn't – the symptoms didn't go away afterwards. Like with Mm -hmm. my first flare-up with my optic neuritis, I was very lucky that the symptom of my eye twitching essentially went away. And yes, I have other symptoms that lingered like the brain fog as I call it or, you know, the fatigue and things. Brain fog sounds about right. That's what we call right? it. It feels like you're in a fog. Exactly. And you, you're you like, all right, what is that word? You're, you're just, it's just, it's harder than you, than it used to be to, to make a sentence. And you're like, what, why? So that is essentially, that's why I'm trying to do more video because you have to be able to adapt. And that's part of advocating for yourself as well. Like I don't have the capabilities to remember what was said in my doctor's appointments anymore and like repeat it verbatim without like referring to my notes. And so mm-hmm. now I've started, first I was like taking notes and in, in a notebook and like asking my husband to remember things. And you know, the, the doctor's appointments are long and detailed and there's a lot of things going on. And I usually come prepared with notes, you know, and then I leave with notes and then they write notes and you're like, what? Oh my goodness. How do I keep all of this straight? So, you know, then I started using a dictation app and um, it made my life a lot easier. <laughs> I could actually pay attention to my doctor and what he was saying, knowing that I was going to have the notes for later usage, which has been really helpful to me. But something about writing things down has been harder. So you have to adapt to be your own best advocate. And I wouldn't have known about that if someone else hadn't, you know, shared their idea. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that as well, because part of advocating for yourself is being informed for your doctor's appointments and taking notes and doing what you need to do in order to remember to ask them what you need to ask them. So often with a chronic illness or brain injury, memory loss and brain fog is part of it. And it's really easy to forget things. (laughs) Exactly. Often there's a caregiver that will come with you. I, my mom and my dad too, but mostly my mom comes with me to my appointments. She really, really is the one that takes the notes and helps me remember stuff because I would not otherwise. But of course, I had my brain injury 12 years ago. Something that happens in a pediatric setting is a lot different than having something that happens as an adult. Uh, My mom still comes with me. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love yeah, when my no, mom that's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I just mean like um what I meant about that was when it comes to your life changing and stuff like that, like still living with your parents. Oh yeah, totally different. Yeah. Yeah, like living with your parents and having that like 24/7 parental situation is different. Yeah. I still sometimes go and stay with my parents after an infusion because there's nothing like having your mom take care of you. <laughs> I mean, like I love yeah. my husband and all, but like he tries, but it's just not the same. <laughs> it's just not the same, you know? And it, it's, these are things that you have to learn to advocate for yourself, to ask for that help. Mm-hmm. To not feel bad when you're having a bad day either. Advocate for yourself on a daily basis and go, you know what? I'm having a really bad headache today. I can't funk. I, I can't. I just can't. And being able to not feel guilty about right. that. And even in your friendships and relationships and personal life, advocating for yourself outside of even the medical field or the medical situation. Absolutely. It takes... It takes so much energy, I think, um, especially when you're not feeling well, which is why I try to really share about it when I am feeling well enough to say like, look, I'm coming up like for an injections or I have infusion and I'm not going to feel well like that week. So I can't commit to this right now. And, you know, I hate saying that. I really do because I love my life and I love being, I want to do things, you know, you want to feel well, you want to be able to do things. And especially if you've committed to something, but Mm -hmm. as long as you're sharing in advance and letting people know that like, look, this is the way that my life works. And sometimes it's unpredictable and it's not because I don't love you or I don't want to hang out with you or I don't want to talk to you. Like it's simply because I'm trying to survive right now. Yeah. Like I cannot do those dishes right now. And it is not because I am being lazy. I call it survival mode. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's survival mode. And that's the thing, you know, you're advocating for yourself in all aspects of your life. It doesn't have to be, like I said, at the state house or in DC, like the smaller things, the speaking up in smaller ways, I think actually make more of a cumulative impact. That is such a good point. I love that. I love the way that you just said that because yeah, in your friendships, in your daily life, in your job and whatever you have to deal with on a daily basis, like realizing that it's okay. If you have a chronic illness or a brain injury or something else, a mental health struggle that you deal with, sometimes you just need a break. And there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. That's what makes you a different kind of warrior. Like that's exactly, that's why I wanted to be your friend, really. I was like, she gets me. (laughs) Because of the song. (laughs) Yes. I was like, she gets me. That's my, that's my theme song. I'm gonna, um, you know, like, uh, not, I don't sing it as nicely as you do, but (laughs) I'll just, I'll leave that for, I'll leave that to you. But you know, that it's those really those hard moments because people at first they told me, well, you're so brave. You're such a warrior. You're so strong. And I was like, I don't think you have any idea like what you're saying. Like, I think you've confused the definition of those words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I felt like that too. I, right. It's, it's not weird to feel that way. That's what caused me to write the song. 
I um I made a video. I think it's on my Instagram, my IGTV, and on my YouTube. But it's talking about like what does it actually mean to be a warrior? And people would always tell me, "Oh, you're a warrior," and I was like. I really don't feel like a warrior. I feel I struggle like and that's basically what the song lyrics say. I don't feel like it, but exactly. What if there's a different way to be a warrior? What if it doesn't mean that you always have to be strong? What if being a warrior is more about letting go than it is about holding on? And what if it's more about breathing and giving yourself space than it is about fighting so, so, so hard. And when you live with a chronic illness or an injury or, like I said, mental health or anything, any struggle, any struggle you go through, man, the fight is real and the struggle is real. But you don't always have to put so much pressure on yourself to fight it. I couldn't agree more. That's my thoughts exactly. I mean, if all you did today was breathe and survival mode, then like, be proud of yourself because that's a lot. Yeah. Getting out of bed. Oh, yeah. Getting out of bed is a tough one. Just even the act of getting out of bed when you have pain. I was actually going to ask you about this. I had it on my mind earlier in the in the recording and I just came back to my mind. But do you find that like your threshold for pain is so different? When you live with chronic pain, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. So (laughs) it's hard to put into language and explain to people what it's like. But for example, I've had, I've been dealing with really bad migraines over the last week and really bad brain fog and headaches. Like when I say really bad, I mean like inhibits my ability to speak. I would get migraines and slurred speech and I'd get to like one or two, three words in the sentence and then the rest of the sentence would slur and stutter and I would fall like balance so bad that I'm falling over. Last week was really hard. You know, I have some friends and there's a friend in particular that would ask me like, you know, how are you doing today? And like, I'm like, oh, oh, I'm a little better today. I say I'm a little better when I can take a shower. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like I can get out of bed and I can, you know, semi-function in the world. And it's hard because even when I still deal with 24-7 chronic pain, I still feel like I'm a little better. But I, to any sane person, that would not be better. <laughs> right. Like, right. It's a whole different any, level. Like, it's just a different, it's a different scale. It is. It really is. That pain scale they ask you about at the doctors, like the one oh my to gosh. 10. I'm like, you don't even know. I'm like, I'm not, I don't live on your pain scale world. Scales don't make sense. The scales don't make any sense because if I'm telling you that my pain is a high pain day, like, you better believe it is a high pain day. Otherwise, uh, I am in pain every day. So I don't really like to say about it. You just deal with it and your tolerance. Yeah. I mean, I sometimes I, I'll admit to it. I'm not, you know, I, I don't lie about it. But like I also, living in chronic pain, you do, you do tend to downplay it. You do say like, oh, well, I'm a little bit better today. Whereas like a regular person, or I don't want to say regular, but like a person who doesn't live in that level of pain, usually, you know, they would be in the hospital. 
Yeah. It's just totally different. But you're like, well, I know that that's not going to help me. So I'm just going to stay here until I can shower. And sometimes you just get tired of explaining it or tired of explaining yourself. You don't want to keep saying every day that you have a headache or that you're in pain. So you're just like, yeah, I'm okay. Like, and you are okay in your pain threshold. (laughs) Exactly. And that's, you're so unique, you know, and you know your body best. Like, you're sure your doctors are experts and, you know, but you're an expert in your own body and your own health. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying you're, you're doing a little bit better because some of it is mindset. Like it's for me, I know that I have high pain days coming up because I'm due for my injections that help with my spasms in my feet. So When I say I'm doing okay, that means that I'm managing at a high level of pain during that time period, you know? Um, But for me, a lot of it is talking about the good things that happened in the day, even if it was just like cuddling with my dog who's whining over here at me. Like, you know, (laughs) even if it was, that was the, the highlight of my day, like, or it was like looking at pictures or, um, like a, a sweet message from a friend that's okay. You're allowed to feel your emotions and deal however you need to deal. But for me, a lot of the way that I deal, and you know, I have friends that will call me out on this. They, they're like, are you saying that you're good because you're actually good? Or are you just trying to make me feel better or you feel better? And I'll be like, I'm just trying to make me feel better. It's really all about me. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause you have to, sometimes you have to just psych yourself up to get through it because you've been through of your hardest days and you're going to continue to get through them. Amen. Couldn't agree more. I like what you said about your friends. It's nice that you have friends that call you out on that, like come back at you. I'm doing better. They're like, okay, are you really doing better? Or (laughs) are you just saying it? That's really important too, to have people around you that are a positive influence. I'm really, really lucky. I'm, I'm so blessed and so grateful because my support system is fantastic, but you have to work on cultivating that. Yeah. That's why I think it's important to, to share and advocate for yourself and be honest. And the only way to have a good support system or to have friends that understand is by communicating to them over time, like giving them an inside look into maybe the parts of you that aren't so pretty, the parts of you that struggle, the parts of you that are in pain. And it's okay to let them in a little bit because that's the only way that you're going to be able to have a genuine connection, have people that support you. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So any other thoughts to add about this? This has gone so quick. You're awesome. I love every single thing you said. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. No, I I really enjoyed this so much. And, um, you know, I just... I hope that anyone that's listening, their takeaway is that you have the power to be your own best advocate. Chronic illness and accidents and sickness and the healthcare system and the doctors and all of that feels so overwhelming and it makes you feel really powerless, or at least that's how it made me feel at first. But you can take that power back by speaking up, by speaking your truth and knowing that you are the expert in your your own health and your own life. And you do have choices and you can find people that will support you. I love that. Yep. You're the advocate in your own life. Every day is full of choices and choose to advocate for yourself. Choose to stand up for yourself, to stick up for yourself, to communicate your needs and communicate your struggles and communicate what's going on with you because only you really know 
fully what's happening inside of your body. And if you need help putting it into words, if you can't think of the right words, you need help putting it into language, find someone, a friend or family member that you're able to talk with about it and have them help you figure out ways to put it into words and know that you matter. Exactly. Your life matters. Absolutely. You are worth all that effort. Yeah. You're awesome, Jenna. Oh my goodness. You're awesome. Thank you so much. I just appreciate you sharing all of this. I know, I know that our listeners are going to just be going to love this, going to love this interview. So how can people get in touch with you? You mentioned you have a blog, Instagram. I do. So um, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at the Jenna Green, G-R-E and like the color because Jenna Green was taken. And so now everyone can laugh about me being the Jenna Green. Um, (laughs) You know, you're the one. Right. Like you think you're very fancy now, huh? Um, (laughs) And my blog is called Full of Grit and Grace because you have a lot of grit and you deserve to give yourself grace. I love it. That's great. So I'll put those in the show notes so people can connect with you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to share it with everyone. Aww. And I just love chatting with you. Thanks for being on. I'm I'm really happy. So I hope that everything goes well with your upcoming injections. And what did you say? Infusions. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, it's injections first, then infusions. I don't know. Oh, I'm okay. bottom oh there's both yeah, of them. I, know. I, you know, I collect <laughs> okay. doctors like puzzle pieces. It's really fun. <laughs> but only in the fun ones. Well, I hope everything goes great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Declaration Life. Would love to connect with you on Instagram at Declaration Life or at Christabelbraden.com slash Declaration Life. Subscribe and join for new episodes as we explore what it means to live a declaration life.